The reading is from Song of Songs, 1, 1 through 6. The Song of Songs, which is for Solomon. If only he would give me some of his kisses. Oh, your loving is sweeter than wine. Your fragrance is sweet. Your very name is perfume. That's why the young women love you. Take me along with you. Let's run. My king has brought me into his chambers, saying, Let's exult and rejoice in you. Let's savor your loving more than wine. No wonder they all love you. Dark am I and lovely, daughters of Jerusalem, like the black tents of the Kedar nomads, like the curtains of Solomon's palace. Don't stare at me because I'm darkened by the sun's gaze. My own brothers were angry with me. They made me a caretaker of the vineyards, but I couldn't care for my own vineyard. I am indeed uh, so grateful to be among you, the people of Zao, again. And so much love uh, to Jonah and Cameron and to the newest Overton, Micah Audra. What a wonderful, beautiful name. I look forward to meeting beautiful Micah in person one day, hopefully soon, and to be in the flesh with you, Zao, uh, this beloved community that you are. In many ways, my message today is about beauty. And at the conclusion of this Hot Body Summer series, I want to reflect a bit about the beauty of bodies as sites of healing, especially when our bodies have been uh, sites of so much pain. My sermon title uh, for this message this morning is Unlearning unlearning the haunting journey to self-love. When I last had the opportunity to visit with you about a year ago in July 2020, I preached a message entitled Liberating the Bible. Today's message might then alternatively be titled Liberating the Body of Christ. Now, back last year in July 2020, uh, in that sermon, we did some critical work of unpacking and rethinking and transforming how we approach the sacred text known as the Bible. As readers of the Bible and participants in the living biblical story, we are invited, right, we're invited to retain uh, that which helps us do helpful work, constructive symbols, uh, but then reject the destructive deeds that we find present in this uh, complicated text. But now today, uh, I must confess that this message, today's message, is less of a teaching as it is a testimony. So my word today is going to be more of a reflection of my own journey to self-love. I call it a journey because, to be honest, I'm still figuring my shit out. And maybe, uh, perhaps in this figuring aloud, we might walk a bit together. This morning, I take as my sermon text two readings from the Song of Solomon. The first being from Morrison's 1977 novel of the same name. There she writes... She writes at the conclusion of the text of the novel, uh, she writes 
in the words of guitar uh, to his brother and enemy, Milkman. You want to fly? You got to give up some of the shit that weighs you down. You want to fly? You got to give up some of the shit that weighs you down. And then the second scripture lesson comes from the other Song of Solomon, the biblical Song of Songs, also known as the Canticle of Canticle. And it's in chapter one, verse five. You've heard it read already, but it's worth repeating. Do not look down on me, for I am dark. I am black and beautiful. Don't look down on me, for I am dark. I am black and beautiful. So today, beloved, for us, these two scriptures converge. Solomon, the biblical Solomon's Song of Songs, and Morrison's Song of Solomon, that novel about flight and roots and loving yourself with a quote, love as strong as death and a passion as fierce as the grave from chapter eight, verse six of the biblical Song of Songs. To love yourself with a love as strong as death and a passion as fierce as the grave so that we might be, as you say at Zao, among the living, to be among the living. Okay, so that's the text, here's the testimony. Back in June of this year, I went to a gay bar while visiting some friend in Washington, D.C. I hadn't intended to go out that night. I was just catching up with folks. I was down there visiting my best friend from college and uh, his children, who are my godchildren. Uh, and I was uh, deciding uh, to catch up with some other people while I was there. And I was having some tacos and margaritas with a straight cis preacher friend of mine, a fraternity brother. Uh, and we went out, uh, we're seated by the window. And as we were partaking of the meal, I saw some of the kids walking by. Uh, and they were dressed to go out. So I got the urge to join them. After dinner, I did a little search and I found the nearby gay bar and off I went. Now, I was a little bit apprehensive, right? Because I, I hadn't addressed to hit the club. And I was a little bit uh, weary because I was actually going alone. Although I had friends nearby and a partner back in Boston, uh, it was something always about for me going somewhere by oneself, by myself. Uh, so I wondered, uh, would I have anyone to talk to? Uh, and would I be perceived as approachable, as desirable? Would I be rejected if I approached someone? And to make matters worse, when I arrived, I discovered that uh, it was shirtless Thursday. Now, on the one hand, there was a sea of shapes and sizes and beauty in many forms. And at the same time, I, I felt this wave of shame rush over me. All of the feelings of inadequacy surrounding my body, which I carried in my body, overwhelmed me at that moment, and I got really nervous. You know, I was the skinny kid in high school who 
always felt a little bit uncomfortable in the locker room. And then, right, there was this paranoia in that moment when I discovered that it was Shirtless Thursdays. What if uh, someone sees me? What if I'm seen? Panicked a little bit. I was there, though. And after a few moments of talking back to all those voices that were talking to me in my head, I built up the courage or the impulse, whatever it was, just to go ahead and undress. And I, I joined the sea of beautiful bodies and danced topless uh, for the first time. And in that moment, I, I felt a rush of freedom. It was exhilarating, was liberating. Now, I realized quickly that a shirtless night at the quote-unquote punk bar for some is steamy and sexual and seductive. For others, it might be seen as scandalous, especially for me, a pastor to, to partake in, in such an act. But for me, that simple act of removing my shirt was an act of being seen in my body. Since, it, since that unexpected June evening, I've been reflecting a lot uh, about the shame that I've internalized in my body, in my queer black body, and how I've hid it, both my body and the shame. The closet has been, uh, for me, more than just hiding my sexuality in the past. It's, it's also been about hiding the beauty and the belovedness of the body that is mine. In some ways, over the years, I've, I've, I've come to feel that covering myself would leave me less exposed, somehow safer in a world that constantly seeks to do me harm. But I no longer am seeking that type of safety as I realize the cost, the price I pay is simply too much, too great. And I yearn, we yearn for something more sacred, something that's whole. In my prayer time the morning after that shirtless Thursday, I was reminded my conversations with God to seek to listen and to speak some of my deepest truths. Uh, I heard that's word, those divine words of institution spoken at table when we gather at the Lord's Supper. This is my body, given for you. This is my body given to me as God's good gift. And every now and again, I just need to be reminded. Just like every now and again, we need to go to table and be fed. We need to be reminded of those words of institution, those words of blessing, those words sung by lovers in erotic poem, the song of songs, I am black and beautiful. And I need to be reminded of Morrison's sacred words from the Song of Solomon. You want to fly, you got to give up 
the shit that weighs you down. Okay, easier said than done, right? But what's becoming more clear each day is that this process of healing is, in fact, work. And it's, it's work. It's a process of unlearning. Unlearning. Dr. Morrison, or, or Mother Morrison, as we call her, has been helpful in, 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 in me approaching this work because Morrison, like the poetic uh, poet Audre Lorde, uh, she pins holy writ and, and write these sacred texts that, that write against texts that have written violence upon Black flesh. She has penned many novels in addition to the Song of Solomon. There's The Bluest Eye and, and Love and Home, A Mercy, Paradise. And she also has some, some uh, nonfiction texts like Playing in the Dark, Whiteness and the Literary Imagination. Which, which helps to, to unpack and, and dismantle the way in which the entire apparatus, the, the, the very architecture of our society has, has privileged often uh, in, in, in politics and in economics and in, in, in all aspects of, of life. In her case, it was looking at the literary imagination in poetry and in prose, but the ways in which whiteness, right, is the architecture that, that privileges white skin to the detriment of dark skin, the black experience, black bodies. So, so Morrison, her project then is to expose the evils that have corrupted the beauty of the divinity that dwells within us, within black bodies. And she seeks to tell the truth in a world so full of lies. And hear me when I say it, we've been deceived, right? All of us. Some have tried to suggest that this deception is just a white lie, right? But we've learned time and again that, that whiteness, when it goes uninterrogated, can be quite deadly white privilege and white tears and white fragility to easily become white supremacy and white power and white rage that does violence to everything that is not white. Right, so an innocent white lie can become the big lie of the so-called election fraud that perpetuates conspiracy theories that are literally unraveling whatever we have left of the American democracy right before our eyes. We see it now in the dismantling, the systematic dismantling of Roe versus Wade and, and, and the right to choose on how to treat one's body for women. We, we see it in the dismantling of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and, and we see it also in the unwillingness, right, to confront the insurrectionist destruction of January the 6th. 
White lies, they metastasize and conceal the truth. And the truth of the matter is that we have all been lied to and we've been bamboozled and hoodwinked. Yes, we have been deceived. Perhaps one of the greatest of life deceptions is the fact that that learning is somehow enough. That the accumulation of knowledge, more data, gets us to where we need to go. We've been somehow seduced to believe that the more we learn, the better off we'll be. And that somehow learning is this linear activity that propels us forward along life's grand path of progress. That learning will make us smarter, and because we are smarter, we'll make sounder decisions, and so on and so forth. Uh, but today, beloved, I wonder whether Dostoevsky, another novelist, is correct uh, that when he says the truth harbors a lie. It's that the lie harbors a truth. I'm not entirely sure. So today I'm less interested in learning as I am in unlearning. Unlearning the lies that have been told about us that we have inherited and, and embodied as truth in us. And, and, and therefore, I'm interested in the unlearning of the shit that weighs us down and the stuff that haunts us and that we carry in our bodies as trauma, as self-doubt, as self-hate, as self-deception. And the irony of all this in the process, which is work and does not happen overnight, this process, this journey that we are part of, that we are on, the, the irony is that sometimes we, we, we're struggling, I'm struggling to, to let go of the very things that have made me, me, in order to become the best me that I'm called to be. But the irony is that sometimes you have to let go of the very things that have made you you in order to become the best you that you are called to be. Because some of the things that we've learned are wrong at best and dangerous as at worst. Some of the stuff that we've been taught is destructive and detrimental and sometimes even downright diabolical. You see, the unspoken presumption is that what we've learned and what actually have made us our current selves, uh, that so much of that is, is actually the right thing. But what happens when you've learned wrong and been hardwired with false facts that do violence? to who we're called to be. False facts that are part of what Emily Towns described as the cultural production of evil. As I continue this journey of becoming myself, of discovering myself, I'm learning to unlearn some things some of the things that have been written upon me. And though the world too often tells us 
otherwise. You are. I am. We are black and beautiful. Right, this declaration of a lover is a proclamation of what she has unlearned. Don't gaze upon me with scorn, she says, because my skin is as dark as the night. You can almost read between the lines and, and hear her say what has been said to her. Your hair is too coarse, your nose is too broad, your hips are too wide, your buttocks too large, your body, your presence is not the norm. It is not white. Therefore, it is not worthy, sacred, holy. But this passionate, full-bodied lover rejects the rejection of her black body and renames it as dark and lovely you. you. You see, beloved, when Solomon scripted his song, he could not have imagined how prophetic his words would be for our present age to declare beauty in an all too grotesque world. I am black and I am beautiful. This is a love language to the self to declare that I am when they say you are. When they say you are dark and ugly, shadowy and terrifying, a horror, an eyesore, a monstrosity, to declare I am black and beautiful is a song of protest, a song of freedom, a song of liberation. Yes, it is a song of healing that might heal us. If, if Morrison is correct when she says that goodness is the acquisition of self-knowledge, then self-love or the knowing of myself as good as lovable is predicated on the unknowing, the unlearning of the bad texts that have written self-loathing and violence and destruction upon our bodies. The acquisition of self-knowledge sometimes requires the annulment, the annihilation of the knowledges that others have written, circumscribed upon ourselves. And then this annulment, this canceling, calls us to articulate a language of love of the self, for the self, which is ultimately for the sake of us all. Because as that proverb Ubuntu says, I am because we are. I'm black and beautiful. You are black and beautiful. Even if your beautiful skin is lighter than mine. Right, catch this. Uh, to be sure, as the Reverend Dr. James Halcone, the founder of Black Liberation Theology, has taught us, Blackness is not only a skin color, 
about what's on the outside. Rather, Blackness is a symbol for the disinherited, for the oppressed, uh, for the marginalized, for, for those who have struggled sometimes. And we all, we all sometimes know ourselves as what Paul describes as those who have been bruised but are not broken, persecuted but not forsaken, pressed down but not destroyed. Therefore, we all, in that vein, are Black. And from this, Dr. Cohn, the founder of Black Liberation Theology, offers a pathway to the liberation of all people when he claims that God is Black because God is a God of the oppressed and God is a God of liberation who sides with us, we who have been harmed and search for healing, we who have been violated and yearn for justice, we who have been rendered invisible, who long to be fully seen. God is with us, God is for us, all of us who lock arms and stand side by side together and walk the journey of life together, that journey of unlearning the harm that has been done to us. So yes, this proclamation by the that erotic poem, that, that prophet, when it is declared, I am Black and I am beautiful, it is then a language of radical solidarity and the transcendental identity that might transform us all because it is one, a transcendental identity that we all might share. And if the love of God, as the gospel lesson teaches us, is inextricably linked to the love of self, love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, so if the love of God is linked to the love of self, which is linked to the love of neighbor, then we need each other. And the love of neighbor and the love of God depends on the loving of the self. So being the body of Christ it's an invitation for us to love fullness of our bodies. It's an invitation given to all of us. Just as those words of institution remind us, this is my body given for you. So the unlearning, self-hate, self-criticism, self-doubt, then is a precondition for the learning of self-love, which is the true starting point for transformation of this broken world. So our very capacity to change the world rests on a change of heart and a love of body and a turning of the self to the self. Turning of the self to the self. Therefore, that proclamation, I am black and beautiful, is a playing in the dark. To borrow Morrison's words, 
It is an act of creative and holy resilience, this act of inverting and reappropriating and twisting and queering and claiming our imperfections as the very site, the very point of departure of our belovedness. So it seems to me, beloved, and that we are on a journey, a pilgrimage of sorts, a pilgrimage toward self-love, the type of enfleshed, embodied, incarnate, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, love that Jesus spoke of, which is that first and greatest commandment. And love then becomes this art of languaging, naming, claiming, languaging ourselves in new ways, in our own language, our own love language, that gets under our skin, a language that we can wear to claim my voice and to declare I am black and I am beautiful, I am dark and lovely, I am poor and blessed, fearfully and wonderfully made, undemented and never alien, gender non-conforming and gifted by God, transgendered and transformed by God's spirit. It's the type of loving oneself to reject the rejection and to speak over oneself and to claim I am good, that I am beloved of God. Beloved, beloved. Yes, we are called to craft new languages, and script new songs and write new stories and escape new sounds and create new forms of art that speak life. These practices that help us to release all that stuff that weighs us down. And when we follow that advice of Guitar to Milkman and Toni Morrison's song of Solomon to release the shit that weighs us down, we take flight. We take flight. So in the end, we ask, I ask, what are the things that we must unlearn? What are the things that you must unlearn about yourself in order to fully become your best self? What are the knowledges, the data points that I must release in order to become the boundless vessel of the very divinity of God? Because self-love is delighting in self and celebrating self with a happiness that is pure contentment, rooting, rooted in the truth that you are loved into freedom. Loving self, body, then is the process of unlearning, of uh, unlearning the self-criticism and self-hate. It is the rejection of the rejection. being the beloved of God, being beloved of God.
But whether your skin is dark or light, or your nose narrow or broad, your lips full or thick, you are black and beautiful. Let it be so. Glory be.